childhood. Another word for all the nightmares you can't remember. But don't worry, I'm going to remind you. This world is a strange one. We all have to grow up. We all have to forget things to make room for new memories, like school, friends, and false happiness. But like a bad dream, certain moments can remind you. They can bring back all the things you've been suppressing. Then you remember all the nightmares that made your life hell. So enjoy these allegedly true childhood horror stories. But first, have you ever had a creepy run-in with a YouTuber? Let me know. Send your story at deathbyfear.com. Also, be sure to follow me on vid.me slash darknessprevails. Thank you. Now brace yourself for the darkest kind of flashbacks. Number one, my childhood trauma, submitted by Alia. I was born in Africa, but grew up in the Middle East, in Syria to be specific. Believe me when I tell you that that country used to be a very colorful and beautiful place, and I love it more than I love my own country, because the only memory I have from my country was the Civil War. When I came to Syria, I felt a sense of security, of safety, for the first time in my life. But everything was not heavenly there. The Syrian people are amazing in the way they make you feel welcome. But in every place, you meet the good, you meet the bad, and the worst people. And Syria was no exception. This happened to me when I was in the sixth grade. I was around 11 years old. But even though I was a child, my body looked older. I physically matured faster than my friends. So my body looked like that of a 16-year-old. But I still had that childish face so no one would mistake me for a teenager if they looked closely. The schools in Syria required you to wear uniforms, and that day, my uniform was missing some buttons, so I had to go to the nearby shop to get some. I never had problems with the owner of that shop before that day, since I never went there alone before. But the minute I stepped in, I had this dreadful feeling and that feeling increased when I saw how the owner was looking at me. He scanned me up and down from head to toe. I told him shyly what I wanted, and he went back to get it. When he came back with the buttons, I put the money at the desk and reached out to grab them. As I was taking the buttons, he took hold of my hand. He said, don't worry, I just want to see if these buttons suit you. Then he took one button and grabbed my shirt, as if he was looking if the color matched. At that point, I was beyond horrified, and the fear paralyzed me. I couldn't talk or do anything, but when he proceeded to touch my chest and make weird sounds, I pushed away his hand and ran out of the place. I ran like the devil was behind me. I didn't even bother to take the buttons or the money. I just ran. It's all I knew to do. I never even looked to see if he was behind me. I reached home and I was out of breath, still shaking. My mother asked what was wrong, but I couldn't tell her. My child's mind didn't understand what had happened, so how could I explain it to her? I just told her that some kids jumped me and took my money. 
She believed me, since it wasn't the first time it had happened. I blocked that memory out for nearly 10 years, and for 10 years, I hated my body and didn't know why. Soon, I began to make myself gain weight. I wanted to look less attractive. The day I remembered what happened, I was watching a documentary about the sexual scandal in the Catholic Church, and that night, I dreamt about the incident, and when it all came flooding back, I was severely depressed for about two months. The only person who knows what happened was my school's counselor. I had to tell someone for me to be able to move on. I don't know what happened to that shop owner. I never told my parents or any of my friends. It's 10 years too late now. Now that Syria is destroyed by the war, I honestly hope he's dead, or at least suffering somehow but I know I'll see him in the next life. That I'm sure of. Number two, true child predator horror story. Submitted by Josh. I'm not entirely sure how to start this one. It's a story that will really make you think what disgusting thoughts might be hidden inside someone's head, especially someone who seemed nice or friendly. I'm 14 years old, and I live in the UK in a small town where not much really happens, not unlike the rest of the UK. About a year ago now, I was playing on my computer, just the usual, a late night game of CSGO, on a school day when my mom came upstairs to talk to me. She said I should come downstairs and have a chat with her, and by the tone of her voice, she seemed like this wasn't just some friendly conversation about how my day at school may have been. I knew immediately that there was something wrong. The first thing she said to me was, do you remember the day where we had to pick your older brother up from school after he went on his year six residential to France? I didn't remember that day at all, I remembered that my brother went to France for a residential and primary school, but I don't remember me actually going with my mom, and I don't remember going to pick him up, as I may have been about five or six at the time. I said, no, not really. Why do you ask? She stared back at me with an uncomfortable look. I knew something bad was about to come, and I was certainly right. My mom was about to drop a bomb on me, Considering the situation, I awkwardly laughed and said nervously, but seriously, tell me what's wrong. I felt sick at the moment though. My stomach seemed to be turning sour. She said, okay, calmly, and let out a huge sigh. This might not be exactly word for word, but this is roughly what she said. Me, you, and your nan went down to the coach station outside school at about seven in the afternoon to pick up your brother from his trip. And whilst we were waiting for the coaches to pull up, a man that looked like he was in his late teens approached me and Nan and began to talk to us. She described him as being really friendly and joyful. He carried a rolled up magazine of some sort in his hand, which he said she thought was a bit odd, but quickly dismissed it as she saw how friendly he was and the fact that he looked very familiar she assumed that she may have seen him a couple of times out shopping. He started off the conversation with a generic hello, asked how we all were, then slowly moved on to the topic 
of why we were stood outside school and why loads of other parents and kids were here. My mom explained that we were waiting to pick up my brother from school on a trip. And then she suddenly started feeling a bit uncomfortable. Uncomfortable about why a man in his late teens was also at the school by himself when it was evident he wasn't here to pick anyone up and he seemed very overly friendly. When the coach pulled up, he told them he had to go. He walked off away from the school. My mom and Nan were both a bit creeped out by this, but chose not to carry on worrying about it. They simply looked at each other and said, well, he seemed nice. They were wrong, so wrong. My mom collected my brother and he told her he felt really ill as they'd stopped off at a shop on the way home from the trip to buy loads of sweets and crisps. He said he really quickly wanted to get home. My mom's sister lives about a minute away from our house and conveniently lived on the same route we used to walk home. So mom decided to stop off there to talk to my aunt. My cousin, who was about two years older than me, so she would have been seven or eight at the time, also came outside to greet us. We just started kicking a ball around in the garden. My brother felt really sick and tired and said he just wanted to go home. So my nan walked him down the road towards our house. Then she walked herself home as she also only lived a couple of minutes away. At this point, it was quite late, around eight. Me and my cousin just kept kicking a ball around in the garden whilst my mom and auntie sort of stood on the pavement outside the garden facing the house so they could also watch us while we kicked a ball around. About five minutes into their conversation, they heard a rustling in the bushes on the left of my aunt's neighbor's house. The bush acted as a fence to the neighbor's garden. It started at the very top of the alleyway behind the house, ran down the right side of the alleyway, and curved all the way around to the front of the neighbor's place. But it only reached the bottom left corner of my aunt's house, which was right next to where my mom and aunt were standing. They also had a gate with an arch carved into the bush at the left of their house, so the neighbors could get into their house from the right side of the alleyway, so there was no other way into the neighbor's house because the garden was separated from my aunt's with a small three-foot wall. My mom didn't really think much of the sound as it could have just been a bird or the wind, but as it kept getting closer and louder, she could tell that someone was there. They weren't alone. This is the part of the story that's absolutely awful. She told me she looked through the neighbor's garden, through the arch-shaped gate and hole in the bush, only to see some man standing in the alleyway. He was quite a dark figure, but the streetlight next to the house gave her enough light to see this man. It was the same man from earlier. He was standing there, watching me and my cousin kicking a ball around in the garden. He couldn't see my mom or aunt, but they could easily see him. I couldn't tell or guess what my mom was about to say next. I was so curious and confused on why she was telling me this, but then she said these next few words that made my heart sink. He was doing something. Honey, he was touching himself, she said. I hoped I'd misheard something for a second. I asked in shock and confusion. You mean he was masturbating? She nodded. I quietly tried to laugh it off to remove some of the tension in the situation we were both in, whilst trying to make myself feel better. But every time I tried to breathe or talk, I could only gulp. 
I was speechless. She then said that she tapped my aunt on the shoulder and quickly rushed us to go inside. Me and my cousin had no idea that this had happened. I cannot recall anything from that day apart from a worried feeling, me hiding inside my aunt's house and my mom peeping out the window every couple of minutes. I think what my mom told me then suddenly refreshed my memory and made me recall some things, but I still wouldn't have known why we suddenly all went inside. But apart from that, that's all I remember of it until this day. I asked my mom why she was telling me this, and she told me that she and my aunt were both to be witnesses at a trial, a trial for the same man who had apparently been found guilty of raping two boys under the age of 13. He had done it in a holiday park in the local area. I always wonder what could have happened to me and my cousin if my mom didn't realize he was there and instead went inside for a coffee or something and left us outside to carry on playing with the ball. The situation could have been much, much worse. His name was Brad and I know he was severely autistic, but I don't really know much else about him or how long his prison sentence was. Quite a lot of creepy and weird things have happened to me, but none of it compares to this, and the rest is much more easily forgettable, but not this story. So take this as a lesson on being cautious, involving who you talk to, or use it as a reminder about the person you spoke to yesterday, and the sometimes disgusting intentions they have about you and your family. Sometimes it's more, than just a friendly conversation. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number three, don't tell anyone. Submitted by Nina. Now, the story I'm about to tell you is in no way, shape, or form a call for attention. In fact, I want to use it to raise awareness about this kind of thing. Things like this happen too often, and you'd be surprised how these situations are often avoided and never discussed in people's homes. Again, if you feel discomfort with the topic of pedophilia, this might not be for you. To this day, I'm scarred from what happened in my childhood. First off, I'm short and petite, 
I was around six years old at the time. As you can imagine, I was a small child. It feels like it was only yesterday when everything happened. I literally remember it as clear as day. My family was close, as you can say. My grandma had this motto that family always stuck together, even when we didn't like each other too much. I was young, so I couldn't agree with her more. We used to have family gatherings like twice a month, and everyone would show up, and I mean everyone. As you might guess, it was always a fun time for me. I got to meet different cousins around my age, and older ones. We lived in Topeka, Kansas. When you hear Kansas, you might think country and all that, but it was far from that in this area. In fact, where we lived was full of poverty, and weirdly, my family condoned a lot of gang activity. There have been many murder cases down here that haven't been solved. Most of the people I know down there have a few screws loose. My cousin, let's call him D, was at the time 15, and his brother and sister weren't that far behind. I actually enjoyed hanging out with the big kids. I was six, so me having friends older than me gave me this feeling that I was cool. I remember back then trying to dance like them and constantly teasing my D's sister about her big boobs, but it was all in good fun and everyone was having a good time. Now, my dad was never a nice man. He was physically and verbally abusive to my mom. My mom one day planned our escape. We were going to move with my grandma to another city. Of course, it was a process, so my mom decided to stay with my aunt for a few days while she worked and waited for her check to go. This is when things got weird. I remember being excited first. My aunt's house is where most of the family get-togethers took place. They had everything. They had a basement, and the basement was like a mini apartment. They had games and bedrooms and a fast computer, so I was more than willing to stay. I remember my little sister was asleep, and I was on the couch watching Kim Possible. I turned to see my older cousin Dee on the computer. I skipped over to him to see what he was doing. The only time I got on the computer was to play some kids games. As I got closer to the back room, I began to hear the faint sound of moaning coming from the computer. As soon as I heard it, I got a bad feeling, so I paused. But Dee turns to me and waves for me to come over. Now, anytime the subject of intercourse was even mentioned on a movie or anything like that, my mom would tell us to cover our ears and close our eyes. And that was enough for me to know that I wasn't supposed to be seeing that kind of stuff. It was for grown-ups. So this was weird, but I was curious. After all, I was only six, and I wanted to know what was going on. So of course, I walked over to him. He was on a website playing some sexual game where you had to silently violate a sleeping female. I felt uncomfortable and guilty right away. I just knew I was going to be in so much trouble for this. You want to play? He says with a grin. Is it okay if I play? I wondered. Well, D said I could play, so it should be fine, right? Okay, I said quietly. He puts me on his lap and we start playing. Everyone else was asleep at this time, so he kept telling me not to be loud. I played the game not thinking too much, to be honest. I finally got bored and got up to go to sleep with my sister. He then stops me. Come over here, boo-boo. I absolutely hate that nickname today. I just walked back over 
and all of a sudden he pushes me to the couch and I sit. I felt like I was going to throw up. I realized how big and tall he was towering over me. If you tell anyone, I'll tell that you played that game and you'll be in big trouble. I couldn't even speak. My heart felt like it was going to beat out of my chest. He had this look on his face that made me petrified and I couldn't help but look away and nod. All I was thinking was how much trouble I was going to be in if he actually did tell my mom that I played a nasty game. After all those times, she told me to look away from that kind of stuff. It dawned on me that I was going to get a spanking. I won't go into details, but all I know is I didn't scream and I didn't run. I just sat there and I cried while everything happened. I couldn't do anything. Out of fear of me getting hurt or getting in trouble, I could barely even breathe. I felt terrible. I had been so outgoing, then all of a sudden I was scared of everything. This happened for a whole three years and it happened with his sick sister once too. And because I was a coward, it happened to my sister too. At some point, I began refusing for me or my sister to go back over there and when I saw him at family functions, I'd pretend everything was okay. Some very traumatizing things happened after that. Dee ended up killing his older brother by accident. Everything changed. My aunt went into depression, and we never had any more family get-togethers. Dee was in and out of prison for different things. The first time he got out, he even asked my mom if he could stay with us. My mom agreed, because he was like a little brother to her. She was oblivious to everything, though. Thankfully, he ended up not coming because he committed another crime and went back to prison. So before he could get out again and ask to stay with us, I told my mom, and she was livid. I honestly don't want her to cross paths with them. Knowing what she knows now, I don't even want to imagine what she'd do. We cut all of our family off they don't like us and vice versa. They even had the audacity to claim that we're lying and said if that happened, why are we just now saying anything? Everyone wants me to be quiet and pretend like everything's fine, as if nothing happened. It's not fine. I can't go to the police because it happened so long ago. And even if I did, I don't want anyone to tell me, the victim, that I'm some liar. To anyone who's a parent out there, please be mindful about the people around your kids, whether or not they're family. And if something similar has happened to anyone, you can get through this. It does get better. It's not your fault. It's not the parent's fault. You didn't fail as a parent if this happened. I don't blame my mother one bit, but she still feels so much guilt, even when she's not the sicko who did something to me. D gets out in 2018, and I pray he doesn't come looking for me. Number four, how the sport of paintball saved my life. Submitted by Brendan. At the time of this story, I was 14. This took place in 2010. I was addicted to the sport of paintball and I owned a variety of different guns. 
from a PMI tracer to a Kingman spider. I even slept with my guns at my side, hoppers full of paint if necessary. Despite this, to be honest, I was very much afraid of the dark. It was something I definitely wasn't proud of, but I had my reasons. One, there was an abandoned house across from us, and two, people from this drug house would go at every hour of the night to the abandoned house in a go-kart, delivering weird barrels of something and dropping people off at the abandoned place. Three, there's been an uprising of break-ins in the neighborhood, and all seemed to lead to these druggies. A close friend of my mother had somebody break in through her back door. They ended up stealing their expensive computer and TV. Anyway, it was on a weekend, meaning that my little brother was staying the night at his friend's house. Let's call him Travis for this story. Travis had picked up my brother. My mom came into the room saying that she had to do an unexpected night shift because the hospital that she worked for needed another nurse that night. Me and my older brother begged her not to go, but her mind was set on the extra money, which meant we would be alone until three in the morning. After she left around nine, me and my brother began playing Call of Duty until around midnight. We were exhausted, so he decided to sleep in the TV room, and I hauled my tired butt to my bedroom. I crawled into bed and set my Kingman Spider, the one with the rocking trigger attachment next to me, on the right side of my bed. Just as I was drifting off to sleep, I thought I heard something fall over in my closet. Instantly, I sat up in my bed, wide-eyed and alert. After about five minutes of silence from the closet, I dismissed the sound as my imagination, and I fell back to sleep. After a couple of hours, I woke up needing to use the bathroom. As I was rubbing my eyes, I swore I could see a face peeking out of my closet, which is about 10 feet in front of my bed. Right away, my eyes were wide, and I looked again. I was horrified and frozen, and I realized that my greatest fear was coming true. I grabbed my Kingman Spider and a full CO2 tank and threaded the tank into the gun. Just as I had finished with the CO2, a man burst out of hiding and ran straight at me from out of the closet. Thankfully for me, I left the safety off on my gun. So simultaneously, I screamed, I cried, and I released a barrage of paintballs. The man was sent back screaming in pain. Now a normal person would have taken this opportunity to haul out of the house, but I made sure to unload the whole hopper on this guy. He was crumpled on the ground, screaming and moaning in pain. I then proceeded to throw everything in my room at the man, even a bowling pin. When I was finished, the man wasn't moving, so I hauled it out of the room and into the TV room. I woke up my brother, and together we ran out of the house, and we made it to the neighbor's place, and that's when we called the police. When the cops arrived at our house, we watched from across the street, but apparently they didn't find the man. What they did find in that closet still haunts me. What they found was a ball gag, a bowie knife, a bunch of condoms, and lots and lots of rope. My mom was called, and she drove home extremely fast. She was only briefly mad at the destruction I had made, but then proceeded to cry and grab me, thanking the Lord that I had defended myself. It still scares me to this day what might have happened if I didn't have my paintball gun with me 
or if I had slept for even 30 minutes too long. What that man would have done to me would have been a living nightmare. And number five, childhood pedophile. Submitted by the Potato Commander. This story took place when I lived in New York. I don't remember too much about the incident. I was only six when this happened, so I can only tell what I do recall. This all started when I was on the bus home from school. I never had any problems until this boy moved to the open space next to me. He looked about nine or 10 years old, and he seemed very weird around me, but I thought maybe I thought he was weird simply because he was new. That thought changed when he moved closer to me and began saying things like, we would make beautiful children. You're coming home with me, right? I looked back at him. I couldn't even think of a way to reply to something like that. Luckily, my stop came next, and I got off quickly. When I ran home and told my mother, she said he was just being stupid. She thought it was kids being kids trying to mess with each other. The next morning when I was at the bus stop, he was there, and he was back to say even more perverted things to me. Weeks went by, and this happened over and over. He never got caught for all the sick stuff he did, but one day he went too far, and it happened too soon, because not too long after that, I would have moved out of New York and into Texas, and I'd be gone away from this psycho forever. Anyway, he sat next to me again this day, and before I could say anything or even look at him, he took a hold of my left hand. He whispered very loudly, soft, then began to pull my fingers back. Then he whispered again as he pulled, so soft. He bent them back so far that I thought he was going to break them. It hurt so much that I began to cry and scream but I saw the look on his face as he bent them. It was a serious, focused look. He was staring at my hand and the fingers he was bending, and every moment they bent back further, he only seemed to get more satisfied. I screamed for help just before he whispered once more, so soft. I was crying so hard at this point, I couldn't breathe, and finally my brother noticed and punched the kid square in the face. The boy got expelled, and luckily my family and I moved for unrelated reasons. There was obviously something wrong with this guy. Even I for a while thought he just liked to mess with me, but the look in his face as he hurt my fingers like that, it was the face that all those actors portraying serial killers could only attempt to make. He was gratified by torture he was satisfied by the pain he caused me, and something told me he wouldn't have been happy until he removed my fingers from my body. Childhood might be nostalgic for most people, but hiding behind that thin wall of joyful memories, there are dark things trying to claw their way out no matter how hard you fight to forget, no matter what new memories you make, they'll always be in the back 
of your head. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your creepy YouTuber stories at deathbyfear.com. Also, a big thanks goes out to my newest patron, Nicholas Nolef. Thank you so much for going above and beyond to support my channel. As a reward, enjoy those hours upon hours of bonus stories. You've earned it.